Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. So this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Um, I guess today are Amir Rubin, the CEO of Sixth Sense Enterprises, and Alejo Fudge, the uh, engineering manager at VR Sim. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you very much for inviting us to join your podcast. This yeah, Amir Rubin. Yeah. Very good, very good. All right, so let's just start with basics. Um, Amir, you know, uh, let's let's talk first about Sixth Sense. What what does the company do? Sixth Sense provides what we refer to as a full presence platform. It's basically everything you need to deliver an immersive experience for enterprises. So if you can think about um, a solution that makes every headset uh, be able to give uh, a, a social uh, avatar of multiple multiple people in in a, a virtual uh, reality experience, augmented reality experience, or mm-hmm. You know, just an immersive computing school, you know, old school with a, a monitor or a cave. We deliver everything, everything from the control system that allows you to track your whole body all the way to the software platform that allows you to social social interaction between multiple users around the world. So, uh, you know, my experience not being in this field is, you know, I've been in Minecraft, for instance. You know, I have an avatar in Minecraft and I interact with other people, but it's just through the computer. It's not really like a virtual reality headset type of arrangement. What, uh, what kind of applications is your technology used in right now? You know, what's the description of them? So our technology, uh, so, so let's start with some background on Sixth Sense. Uh, Sixth Sense has been in business since 2007. 
And uh, mm. we focused on immersive computing. And uh, early on, before we used the uh, uh, VR headsets or AR headsets, um, in many different applications, uh, our technology is embedded into a very uh, a multi uh, fishing game, a eight player fishing game by Nemco Bandai, where you are uh, competing around a very big arcade machine, competing for fishing against seven other players. It's been very mm-hmm. successful. It's being marketed for over five years now, all over the world. It's uh, both in Devon Busters in the U.S., but it's been in China, Japan, everywhere. We've been working with many companies just like that. We have uh, a partnership in a casino company that is using it. Again, I don't want to start giving too many names. But the important thing is that we look at our technology and our platform really as more of a solution to needs in in, in different uh, uh, industries, in different uh, markets. Than than uh, an entertainment, you know, we don't look at VR or AR uh, really uh, from the perspective of uh, uh, you know let's have people uh, play games. We do okay. believe in gamification, but we don't we don't go beyond that. So I'll give you an example of gamification that that will answer specifically your question. Uh, first of all, uh, the work we do with VR Steam is a is a great example, but we'll talk about it in a minute. I'll give you another example. A company called uh, Penumbra, which is a, a company that does trombectomy uh, procedure, which is um, putting, uh, uh, taking a, a, a stroke patient and um, using their technology to lead a catheter all the way into the brain to suck a blood clot out of the brain. It's a revolutionary technology by, uh, by Penumbra. Penumbra had uh, partnered with us and uh, uh, basically reached out to us with, with the the idea that they need to, uh, within five minutes, to show to new, to to uh, uh, prospective uh, neurosurgeons, show the potential of their technology. So, in virtual reality, we created the whole experience, and it's a, a technician in a in a surgical uh, setting, in a in a in an operation room, in which is all in VR. Both people using the Oculus headset with our uh, tracking technology, using it all on our full motion uh, platform, full presence platform, and all that allowing to present the thrombectomy product of Penumbra, both in shows and events, but also from their office in Alameda, all the way around the world to different uh, you know, hospitals. So that allows them within five minutes of an experience at, the, at, the, at, the, you know, at any moment to be able to have a demo of their product and its abilities to to deliver a value to to a surgeon. How much of your technology is used? I mean, are there applications out there that get uh, work most of the way and then you just add a little bit at the end? It sounds like your technology is the entire experience. I mean, which parts of it do you are you involved in? Which parts of you are not? So we are not involved, or let's put it this way, we can be involved in everything but the headset. We support all headsets, the Vive, Oculus, Gear VR, Vive Focus, Pico, you know, you, you, you name it, we support it. We support really any display that we think is good enough, it's VR or AR. We also support ODG for the AR, but we provide, if you need from us, in the case of Penumbra, they, they did not have any software team, they did not have any, any experience in VR or AR. So we provided everything. We have our own studio, which is one of the most experienced VR, or I refer to it as immersive computing studios in the world. 
with many years of, uh, of uh, developing experience, many applications behind them. But then we have all our, our VR SDK, which is very, very mature, which requires very little uh, programming capability. So you can build new experiences very quickly for different, completely different applications. And then we have very advanced motion tracking, which is professional grade, that allows you to very, very effectively actually release um, um, you know, absolute position orientation tracking for your arms, for your legs, for your head, for your torso, for anything you want. Now, very different with VRSIM. VRSIM is a company with many, many years. I'm not going to take over here for, for my friend. He can explain the background mm. of VRSIM. But in VRSIM case, they've been doing VR training for many, many years. And if, because of that, they needed from us only the technology that allows very, very effective motion tracking for the, for the spray gun, for the headset, which in, this, in their case, they are using the Oculus. And we provided that to them with our SDK, which then, using their technology and their application with our Unity SDK, they were able to deliver an amazing experience. Okay, gotcha. I didn't realize that, um, you know, some of the headsets that are used for gaming could also be used for these kinds of experiences. I thought you would need like a whole different level of commercial grade headsets that weren't, you know, Oculus or weren't ones out there. Is that at all partially true or is it, uh, you know, the existing headsets out there work just fine? That, cer that certainly can be true. I mean, we've used a variety of, of expensive headsets in some of the things that we've done. But honestly, with the resurgence of VR as a focal point of the media and gaming, there has been a big push to get technology for recreational use that honestly at this point is pretty amazing. Um, and so we've been able to leverage that in a lot of our products going forward at VRSIM. And I know that from Six Sense's perspective, you know, they are very open to using any tracking tech, or any, uh, you know, vi visualization technology. So uh, it lends itself to that. Um, so I think today we've definitely moved to a point where consumer grade HMDs and head tracking and head visualization, more specifically, have have definitely moved forward. Um, and so we're able to kind of leverage those. Long since I've gone the days of, of the only way that you can do this is with a you know ten twenty thousand dollar headset. Um, and I think that's made things far more accessible. Let, let me just add for you some some additional perspective on, on what Anel just. It's interesting because you know I'm going to age myself a little bit here, but my first VR experience was in 1994. I was then a consultant to the to the Israeli military uh, in immersive computing. And, and as a consultant, I was introduced to the U.S. Navy in a base around uh, Southern California. And, and when, when, uh, when I was there, they told us and told me at the first time that I'll be working on a VR door-to-door -door training simulation. 1994. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the system, I'm not going to go too deep into it, obviously, but the system that we built then was in millions and millions of dollars development. And then each individual soldier was not only the cost of that system was in, in, in hundreds of thousands of dollars per person, per soldier, but the, the size and the weight and the, everything about it was, was extremely, extremely, uh, let's say, counterproductive. But it still worked. The point is, you know, fast forward to, you know, today, the interesting thing is that from the introduction of the Oculus back in 2013, mm -hmm. what was very interesting, and, and again, Aleo can speak for VRSIM, and that's without a doubt a very interesting uh, finding for us, it's the Oculus that is a, a magnitude better. And, and, and again, the Vive and others, even the mobile devices, 
even even the Gear VR and, and the Vive Focus are much, much better sure. than all the professional devices that I've used before that. And I've used, I think, almost it's, every single one of them. So this is like computers. You know, now your smartphone is more powerful than, you know, the entire government's computers from 20 years ago, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that's amazing what, what, to see. All right. Well, what are the components? Um, again, like my experience really is only consumer experience. So I've used like the Microsoft Connect that tracks your motion. wasn't so great. It's probably better now. But you know, for a full VR experience, if I'm going to do again training for surgery or whatever it is, something commercial, enterprise grade, what are the components I need? I need a headset. And I guess I need a motion tracker. Like, what are the elements that are part of the experience now? I want to differentiate between the need for virtual reality versus the need for augmented reality. But uh, I'll mm -hmm. take over the virtual reality experience, uh, description, and then we can talk if you want. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Richard, we can talk about also what's required for AR. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for our products, um, we deliver a complete VR experience, and we focus primarily on having uh, a headset with our system. Um, that can vary. Uh, right now, we're currently fulfilling units with Oculus, but you know we're always open to looking at new technologies in that space as they continue to get better. Um, and then a tracking system. Um, with those two things, obviously you need a computer to plug that stuff into, but with those two things, you can make many different kinds of things happen. Um, for our products, we do specialize in using custom peripherals. For the sim, paint, uh, sim, sim spray painting system that we use, we do have a variety of guns that stimulate real-life painting guns, and we have those rigged using different tracking, different tracking hardware to actually get those to follow correctly. And so the main focus there is making sure that we have accurate positional tracking and accurate orientation tracking. Uh, so that allows us to actually create a holistic experience. We have uh, also in our welding systems used very different sort of methodology there because that tends to focus on a very small space that you work in. Uh, but the principle remains the same. As long as you have a headset and a tracking system, you can really uh, kind of go anywhere in terms of uh, creating a virtual experience. Well, what is the, how does the tracking system work? Is it LiDAR? I mean, you know, you know, without getting too technical, I mean, how do you have a tracking system? Uh, so for, for, our, for our products, we primarily use magnetic tracking systems for both our welding unit and our, our painting unit. Uh, so those systems uh, rely on using uh, magnetic tracking, and, and Amir is definitely, you know, the sort of go-to on, on how these work on the inside. But um, we use those systems because uh, for our applications, occlusion is a very big problem. So we can't rely on traditional optical tracking systems to have a consistent experience for the consumer. For our purposes, we really focus on delivering systems that are very easy to use, easy to set up, require minimal calibration steps, and so we have found that magnetic tracking systems offer very consistent and smooth experiences for our user base. Uh, but there are other tracking systems that we have used for different products. I know you mentioned Connect. We have done uh, different products internally that have utilized Connect. Uh, we've done pro uh, projects for Boeing uh, and, and uh, different uh, training systems for them involving safety of plane manufacturing and composition. And we have used Connect successfully for those applications as well. But in those kinds of circumstances, them being enterprise solutions, we've had a lot more flexibility with how willing they are to tolerate calibration and set up procedures. Um, but the main reason that uh, we've stayed with magnetic tracking for our consumer products is because of its consistency. Okay, you know, and then uh, Amir, can you talk about magnetic tracking just a little bit? You know, not too technical. Yeah, but how does so, it work? Exactly. So they, let's take it away from the technology for two seconds, and then and then or two minutes. And then I'll go back to the magnetic to magnetic tracking. It's really electromagnetic tracking, but I'll get back to it. 
So, uh, you know, it's not the way we approach it and, and approach any, any use case is really what is, what is going to, what experience will deliver uh, to the user, to the trainee, the best results. And, you know, take, take uh, what Aleo just said about spray painting. You know, you, you need a solution that will allow a, a, a student that does not have any experience in holding a spray gun or, or, or a welding torch to be able mm. to learn as if they actually held a spray gun and a welding torch, which mm. means that you need to practically provide a, as close as a, as a simulation. And we basically say you cannot have more than one degree of separation between the virtual experience and the physical experience, uh, the, the actual reality. Otherwise, the training is not going to be effective. You cannot train somebody to do some, some job and train him to do it for a different, you know, a different uh, use case. Therefore, what we develop is the technology that is required to mimic exactly the training to the way that you would have trained, be trained if you held a real spray gun or a real torch or a real you know, surgical, surgical uh, device. So it comes down to the fact where electromagnetic tracking been used in the military settings for over 30 years is being used um, because it's extremely reliable from the perspective that it doesn't require line of sight, which is very much of the main dependency that, for example, the Oculus Touch has, uh, where you have a, a controller in your hand, and, and unfortunately, unless the camera can see the controller, you cannot track it. So if the camera sees the controller, it can track. But if the, if the controller is out of the field of view of the, of, the, of the camera, then you lost tracking, and by that, there goes the training. Same thing about mm. the Vive. You know, when you need to, to create training with the Vive, as an example, you have the lighthouses that transmit the lasers, and then you have the controllers in your hand. Now, it, it's, a, it's a major uh, dependency. If you need to develop your training so the controllers can always be in the, in the line of sight of the, the lighthouses, you are basically not training for real-life situations. And that's where we chose to develop our platform using electromagnetics. And on top of it, on top of the, of the, you know, the removal of the occlusion requirement, it's also the ability to embed the tracking inside a, a, you know, a, what looks like a, a welding torch or looks like and feels like in your hand like a spray gun. And that was very important. We are basically giving, giving um, you know, uh, via SIM for their SIM spray product, a very, a very small sensor. They put it inside an actual spray gun. And when the user okay. holds it, they are holding a spray gun. They don't know it's a tracker. And they put a VR mm. headset, and now they're spraying paint as if this paint, this paint or, or, or welding is, is real. The only difference is there's no liability of getting burned or you know, breathing some some uh, some uh, paint that that can harm you makes sense. Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's absolutely so correct. It's kind, I know. Of a, it's kind of almost like an augmented reality. You, know, you could have like a be holding a, a a spray gun that sensors in it and everything, but I could still train the best that way. So it's it's weird. It's like VR, but kind of AR, I guess, in a in a way. So again, what VR scene does is AR, and the, and there are very good reasons. It's VR. AR has much higher level of requirement because the moment you 
actually trying to augment the physical world, which means that, for example, in SimSpray, if they wanted to do it in AR experience, then, and, and, and I would love one day for you to experience this product because it's amazing. We just had it at the VR developer conference in uh, San Francisco, and people just freaked out from, from, uh, from how realistic and how useful is this product. But go back to the basics. In AR, you will actually hold a real, a physically real off-the-shelf you know, uh, spray gun, and then we would have to simulate the spray out of it. So the point would be you would have then to, to spray paint that it needs to precisely come from where normally the real paint will be sprayed out of. And then when it covers the, 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 you know, the car door that you, are, that you are training how to paint, let's say, a car, the applying of the paint on that physical car door, on the physical, physical door, will, be, will have to be as precise as what today you get with VR Steam, Steam Spray. And that is a very, very, uh, what I would call, a, I would say, a very hard-to-meet level of requirement, of product requirement certification. The technology to do that level of, of tracking and that level of, uh, for that level of training is still being in development. It's not as mature and as ready to market as VRC uh, was able to, to take uh, you know, our technology and, and bring a product that is doing extremely well. Right. It, it sounds like haptic feedback, I guess, where you can feel just not, not just vibration, but acceleration and weight and things like that. I guess it sounds like a super, a super haptic feedback system. Haptic is very valuable. It's very, very important. The interesting thing about haptics or how are you stimulating um, um, haptics? So yes, there are many many uh, uh, tools today with uh, all sorts of uh, haptics motors motors that uh, we utilize. For example, in the fishing application by Nemco, they put mm. in a very aggressive um, engine that you actually, when you are pulling, when you are going, you are fishing, you are you know you are using the rod, you you're getting the the bait in the water, but then you, you have to start pulling and you're rolling back the, the, the string and, and if it's being pulled by the fish, they use the engine to give you resistance. And if you're then working too hard, then the virtual wire is being torn and the fish escapes. So all wow. that all that is unbelievable and that's in the hands of consumers all over the world now in, in, in our case. And, and, and that's amazing. Uh, but what, I, what we found very effective, for example, we have an amazing experience that we created um, where you are uh, trying to use bow and arrow. It's kind of training and, and, the, and the, the ability with audio, with, with manipulating audio, make you feel that you're actually pulling the string. And, you, and, and we tested it, focus tested it. People were sure that we gave them some haptics. They didn't know how in the string and in the, and in the bow. But they were sure that we gave them haptic, but it was all done with audio. That's cool. Yeah, I know about like utilizing uh, a lot of haptic things like that. Uh, we, we have found similar things where uh, it really depends on the rest of the immersive experience. Um, you know, a lot of people will immediately think about the, the haptic feel of something, but uh, there are many components to something, the look, the feel, the touch, you know, what you're hearing at any given moment that do help to kind of bring that together. Um, and, I, and I do think it's very right. interesting that for, for our products, we have found that uh, utilizing vibration has been a very consistent mechanism to uh, help with that. But I mean, even in the in the uh, case of our welding units, 
Um, we do actually have physical components that will retract uh, and move back and forth to also help with that feel. So I think finding a good blend of haptic feedback is always very important. Um, and, and I know that you know, we're still a long way from getting realistic uh, haptics in every scenario, but being able to execute those uh, very precisely has been uh, a big advantage to our products. Well, very good, guys. This, this has been uh, really interesting. I mean, it's, you guys are both good teachers, and it's you know, learning a lot doing it. We're, we're close to being out of time. Tell me briefly about um, you know, the partnership between VRSIM and Sixth Sense, and then let's, let's give listeners a way to contact you if they're interested, because there's a lot here that you guys offer. So I would definitely, we provide, like I said earlier, we provide the motion tracking platform with our uh, Unity SDK. And then from that point on, uh, you know, why don't you take it over, uh, Aleo, and, and, and just go through it with, uh, because I think your product is one of the, one of my favorites, period. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So uh, really when it came down to us um, and sort of working with Sixth Sense, this started a very long time ago. And I remember uh, first hearing about Sixth Sense through, I think it was the Razer Hydra many, many years ago. Um, and I was fascinated to see a low-cost uh, magnetic tracking system that you know, was very comparable to the very expensive system we were currently using. So that kind of inspired me back in 2012 to really make a renewed push towards adapting our products to use newer you know, methodologies for tracking and also to open ourselves up to using newer headsets and really just decoupling ourselves from some of the hardware that we were using in the past. So uh, over, back in, uh, I think it was around 2000, March, of, March of 2007, we actually released our 2.0 version, our SimSpray unit. And that was the culmination of many months of work between us and Sixth Sense building uh, this new system together. And what we did is we married the actual electromagnetic tracking system with our software. Um, and as Amir was mentioning, you know, Sixth Sense offers a, a broad suite of, uh, you know, complete solutions. But for our case, we really did just need the tracking system. Um, we had already built up uh, a complete simulation on our own. Uh, we were able to put you in an environment and move you around. And we ended up developing a system that we could uh, sub in any tracking uh, methodology for. So when we were able to create the solution with Sixth Sense, it was very helpful and meaningful to the product at large because it offered us a new uh, and cost-effective solution uh, that still gave us the, the same kind of fidelity that we were getting before. Um, and so that has definitely allowed us to have a renewed push towards the product and, and to definitely reach more users. Well, that's great. You know, we've got to give listeners some more resources because I can see that we've, uh, you know, I've just barely scratched the surface of this, you know, haptically. Bad joke. Um, what, what's, what's the best way for people to get in touch with both of your companies and to find out more? I mean, the applications sound endless. So, uh, you know, how can people reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So for VRSIM, um, you can definitely reach us, uh, reach out to us via our website, which is uh, vrsim.com. Um, it has a contact section there, and you can reach uh, any of the people you know who you'd want to talk to at the company, including myself. Um, and you can also reach out to us at any time on Twitter. Uh, we're at VRSIM Inc. Uh, and so we're very active on on a variety of platforms. But those are the best ways to reach us. Um, and we're always you know sort of publishing new content and showing people. Uh, some of the cool stuff that we're working on, but also some of the cool things that we're seeing in the space at large. Uh, so it's a great way to kind of keep in touch. It's uh, our website. You just come in to sixcents.com and you'll see it's divided by three different verticals, market, you know, uh, location-based entertainment, healthcare, and education training. These are the markets we are focused on, and these are the markets that we would love any of your listeners, any of your followers to come over, reach out, send us, uh, go to contact, just send us an email at, uh, at info at uh, sixcents.com 
and we will be more than happy. We have a whole team that works to adopt the best solution for a specific need. Well, very good. Well, guys, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, yeah, I tried to make it clear, and you guys did a great job of really explaining stuff, basically, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for having thank me. Thank it was so definitely much. a pleasure. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.